0: Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me get my altar and bring it out here, our altar. I'm going to, you know, I keep trying to stop this altered series, but I can't get away from it. Everybody's still learning something in this series? Are we still doing okay? Okay, is it staying fresh? All right. I want to look at this. I'm going to bring in a whole new avenue just when I thought I'm about to step to another place, uh, just the Holy Spirit's direction and a whole new avenue. Uh, I want to share, beginning 1 Peter 2 9. Uh, about three weeks ago, uh, I, I, I was part of the uh, weekend It's called a worship immersion Or a worship workshop Taking our musicians and singers And our technical ministry that, that provide worship on Sunday morning And I shared some truths with them About the priesthood of worship And, and as I looked at that and studied that We had an amazing time together I, I have really sensed the Holy Spirit's direction That we need to look at this concept As a church family uh, it, when we think of the priesthood, here's, here's what happens to us. We think of a, a person today in our day and time wearing a black robe with a white collar. Or we think of the Old Testament. We, we think of the high priest and the tribe of Levi and some things that happen in the temple. But here in 1 Peter two nine, the Bible tells us that associated with the New Testament altar, there's a New Testament priesthood. And we need to understand that. And how every one of us, somebody say every one of us, is impacted by this. What does it mean to be altered? Well, this series altered, altered means the definition of that word is to be changed. But when we think about what happens to us when we come to the altar of the Lord, we're not just changed, we're transformed. We saw three testimonies of transformation today. Uh, Jeffrey said, I had been drinking and drinking and drinking and I couldn't stop drinking and I nearly gave up on what happened to him. Listen to me. This is why our recovery ministries work at Calvary. It's not because we know more than somebody else. It's because we bring them to the altar which is a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And what nothing else can change in your life when you've been altered, not A-L-T-E-R-E-D, but A-L-T-A-R, apostrophe D. When you've been altered, your life changes. Could somebody say "man" to that? How many of you has your life changed since you met Jesus? Not just you go to church on Sunday, but your life is different, right? If it doesn't work besides Sunday, you haven't been to the right altar yet. See, if you just put Sunday on your calendar and you live the same way you did before, you've not been altered. You've just been been thinking about it. You're considering it. How many here with me right now? When you meet Jesus Christ and the cross is the altar today, see, then your life is transformed. So let's read this. Let's let's see what happens to us. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Notice this amazing terminology. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How many are thankful for that? Isn't that amazing? Look at this terminology, guys. You've got to get this. There's something that happens in your life when you meet Jesus Christ personally. Not secondhand religion. Not my parents are Christians, so I come to church. Not my parents, God, but my God. I call it a firsthand revelation of Jesus Christ. You met Him personally. When that happens in your life, the Bible says you begin to realize that that you're a chosen people. Notice He's speaking of us. uh, Watch this terminology. Uh, We're not just isolated individuals now. We're a people. We're an entity. You're a chosen people. A royal priesthood. I'll, I'll say something about that in a moment. That was, again, a New Testament term unheard of before. What is a royal priesthood, right? A holy nation. See, we're a, here in, here in the United States and any other nation, just to say humanity on this planet, we are a people within the people. We are a nation among the nations. What does that mean? Well, we're a holy nation. We belong to Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We are on this planet, but not of this planet. Anybody with me? And when I walk into Brazil, they speak Portuguese. I've been in South America enough, I get a little bit of Spanish, but now Portuguese, I had just very little idea what anybody's saying. I, I just smile and nod a lot. That's, that's all I know to do. And, and so Portuguese, a combination of French and Italian. And, and, and so I'm trying to get this. But here's the deal. Although we can't talk well to each other. When I walk into the church in Brazil I am with my people. You understand that? We, we have different skin color and we speak different languages out of our mouth. But I'm more at home in Brazil in, with the people of God than I am a lot of places here in North Alabama with people that look like me and use my language. But see, we're a nation inside the nation. How many understand that? We are people among the people. He said, you're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. A people, what? Belonging to God. Now, that's not a period. There's a comma. So all that is for a reason. Everybody with me? See, not a period, but a comma. A people belonging to God. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's keep reading. Once you were not a people. Right? We weren't. But now, you are who? The people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How many receive mercy? We didn't earn our way into this. Mercy brought us into this. What is mercy? Something I desperately need, but I do not deserve. But God gives it to me anyway. But mercy of God brought us in. Alright, so, look at this. Verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens... And strangers in the world. I, I hate to say this, but you know what? You're a spiritual E.T. on this planet. Did you get that? You're a spiritual E.T. on this planet. I'm an alien. I'm I, I'm here, but I'm not from here. D- does that make sense? I didn't say you look like E.T., I just said I'm just But but what did they keep telling E.T. he ought to do? What E. T. what? Call home. Huh? Christian, pray. Call home. Speak to Daddy. Are you with me? All right. So so see, we're we're let, let's go. We're aliens. That's okay. I'm 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 cool with that. See, E. T. may look funny on earth, but he looks he looks fine at home. See how I live and believe and what I think may not fit this culture here, but I, I have a home I'm going to someday. And they get it there. How many understand? And we get it here because we're the people of God. We understand who we are what's going on. So let me hurry up. I'm taking way too long in the introduction. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So there's this thing, this this priesthood that we need to understand, this royal priesthood, this holy nation. See, we are transformed people. We've met Christ. We are people of the altar. We've encountered God there. We've met Jesus Christ. And so we trust Him. It's not easy to trust nowadays, but we've learned to trust the Lord. And because we trust Him, we surrender to Him. And because we've encountered Him and we trust Him and we're surrendered to Him, then what we're having is not religion, it's a lifestyle of walking with Jesus Christ. We're people of the altar. We're, we're people of the presence of God. See, our walk with Him uh, brings His presence to us. And so we're, we're walking in the presence of God. So, so let me ask you, what does this New Testament priesthood look like? How does it work? Who's included? Who's included? uh, We need to understand that. But one thing is consistent, is that the priesthood in this New Testament, just like the one in the Old Testament, functions around an altar. The altar is the center place. Now, let me say, here's what's exciting. In the Old Testament priesthood, those that served around the altar, it was very limited. First of all, in the Old Covenant, only a male, M-A-L-E, only a male could Minister as a priest. Ladies, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female in the kingdom of God. We all have equal access. Let's give the ladies a big hand. Come on. We're glad you're in the priesthood. It was also limited to one tribe of people. So you had to be a male. You had to be from a certain family. It was very exclusive and very limited. But in the New Testament priesthood that we are in, we we have... We're all welcomed. We're all included. If we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, now, stay with me. I need to, I need to build a little background here. Let, let me explain something about this. So we are people of the, of the altar, the cross of Jesus Christ, and we are people that are familiar and carry the presence of God. But Let's make sure we understand how that presence comes. Let's go to Isaiah 56, verse 7. I, I, love, I love this terminology, Isaiah 56 and verse 7. How do we maintain the presence of God? How do we fulfill this incredible privilege to be this New Testament priesthood? Let me show you the the beginning of all of this. That's why I did the little ET call home thing. Because when you are uh, representing a nation among a nation, when you're an ambassador from one kingdom to another, you need to stay connected to the kingdom that sent you. You need to make sure that you're connected to the source of your power and strength. And let's look in Isaiah 56 and verse 7. We read this. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my what? House of prayer. Uh, let me make sure my translation this is not the same. Say, there burnt offerings and sacrifices, which is Old Testament approach. Now we come through Christ and our worship will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. House of prayer. So here's, here's what happens prayer is the place where the presence of God is released in our lives. Prayer. If we're going to fulfill this, and let me help us to begin to understand. See, what I want you to see, as a New Testament believer, you're no longer a spectator watching religious professionals do their thing. How many are with me? You're not a spectator. You don't sit down while some priest and goes and prays for you. You have direct access to God. In the New Testament, listen, I want you to get this. The spectator sport is over in the New Testament church. How many heard what I just said? Our deal is not coming and watching somebody do something for us. We all go to God directly. We all have equal access to God. We all begin to pray. Prayer is the lifestyle of the New Testament priesthood. And the New Testament priesthood is every born-again believer sitting in this room right now and listening to me. And so we're people of prayer. I want you to get this. I want this to begin to walk into your heart. We are people of prayer. He calls this a house of prayer. He calls you a house of prayer. He calls you the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we connect with the presence of God by prayer. We Prayer establishes the presence of God. You know, it's interesting to me. Do you know uh, people that aren't Christians, people that don't believe in Christ, the unchurched people, they don't want you to preach to them. Don't preach to me, you hear that. uh, Or don't preach at me, they don't understand what that means. But they'll let you pray for them. Even the unchurched know that we're supposed to be a house of prayer. You know what we've done and served the city? We've gone through hundreds of homes, and, and I can't, they're less, than, less than one-tenth of one percent have said no when I ask, could I pray for you? I knock on the door and say, we've come just to bless you today. We don't want anything. You don't need anything. we just come to pray a blessing over you and your house. Could I bless you and pray for you today? Uh, well, I guess so. One guy, one guy said, Well, it couldn't hurt. I said, No, it's not gonna hurt. Even the unchurch know we're people who carry prayer. You know why? Because you're the New Testament priesthood. You're people of the altar. You're, we're people who understand the presence of God. We function around the altar. We function around what Jesus did with us, did for us on the cross. We don't come meet Jesus at a church building. We carry him with us everywhere we go. We don't just encounter the Holy Spirit when, when we're in a church service. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We carry the presence of God where we go. So, so go to, to Joshua 3.17. I'm just walking you through some basics. I want you to see this. Joshua 3.17. When it was time for Israel to finally enter into the promised land... I want you to see what happened. For 40 years, they'd wandered in the desert. And now they're going to go into the promised land. And God miraculously parts the River Jordan as the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, which a lot of you thought Indiana Jones invented. That's, he was not the first time the Ark of the Covenant was talked about. The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God, As the priests carried the presents and stepped into the water, the river parted. As the priests went ahead of God's people, they began to enter in. So so what do we see about this? Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 17. You got it? The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Do you know what the priesthood does? Are you ready? Church family, this is who we are. The priesthood carries the presence of God. We carry the presence of God. I want you to see this. We not only meet Him in this place, And there's something the Bible teaches us that's dynamic. When the people of God come together, God dwells in the midst of his people. There's a manifestation of the Lord's presence. But I want you to get this as the church. We could use the priesthood and church interchangeably here. We carry the presence of God. We bring the presence of God where, pastor? Wherever we go, you're going to carry his presence to work with you tomorrow. You're going to carry his presence in your home today. You're going to carry his presence when you go into school tomorrow. You know, somebody said this week, and I thought, what a powerful statement. See, this shows us our focus is in the wrong place. We're all upset in America. I don't like it. None of us like it that, that, they, that there's no prayer in school. But you know what's a greater concern than no prayer in school? The greater concern should be is their prayer at church. We all get mad they won't let us pray at school. I want to know you're praying at your house. That's what I'm concerned about because we're priests who carry the presence of God. And I can tell you something. There's no Holy Spirit metal detector when your kids walk in school tomorrow morning. You can carry the presence of God into the school. You can carry the presence of God to the workplace. It's laughable. It's laughable. We're focused on the wrong thing. Nobody can pray in school. That's baloney. People pray in school every single day. Just because somebody doesn't pray over the intercom doesn't mean they're not praying in school. You're the priesthood. You carry the presence of God. Somebody says, we can't pray at our work. You can't think. You don't have a brain. You took your brain out when you went to work. If you've got a brain, you can pray at work. If you can think, you can pray. i prayed when people didn't know I was praying. i prayed when people were cussing me out. For praying. I kept praying. I just closed my mouth. I was still praying, looking them right in the eye. I'm just thinking, why are cussing me? I'd say, I bind that cussing the Spirit in the name of Jesus. I love you anyway. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to put hot coals on your head after they get finished cussing me out. i would give them $5 here. Have a good day. What do you mean you can't pray in school? What do you mean you can't pray at work? What do you mean you're the only Christian in your home? What a blessing you're the only Christian See, you just blessed that home. You eat, carry the presence of God. Priests carry the presence of God. And no one can stop you from doing that. No one can stop you from doing that. The Bible says whatever you do, do with all your might. Do it to the glory of God. When you're kind, you brought the presence of God to work. When you're gentle, you brought the presence of God. Listen, what, what's the fruit of the Spirit when you love? you release the presence of God. When you have joy, you release the presence of God. When you have peace, you release the presence of God. When you have patience, you release the presence of God. When you have kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, you release the presence of God. We're carriers of the presence of God. David, you remember the account? David became king. And David was a man who understood the presence of God uniquely for his day and time. Phyllis and I talked about a, a, a book she's reading, and, and it's true. When you read about David's relationship with God, it was like he had a personal relationship with Jesus back in the Old Covenant. I mean, he, it, it wasn't, but it was like that. This guy was way ahead. Man, he loved the presence of God. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than live in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. David got it. And so when he became king, he said, why am I going to live in a palace? And and the ark, the presence of God's over here in a a tent somewhere. We're going to go get the presence of God. You remember what happened? took him two tries to get it right. On the first try, they, they took the ark of the covenant, which represented God's presence, which we have, we don't need an ark now, God's with us. And they put it on a cart pulled by oxen. And man, they were celebrating and praising God and excited. we're bringing the presence of God back to Jerusalem. And at a certain point, the oxen stumbled. And a man reached out to steady the ark. And he fell over dead because he touched something that man's not supposed to touch. And David goes, what in the world? I wanted to bring the presence of God back. And, and here we're trying to bring the presence of God. And, 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 and this guy falls over dead. He said, what am I going to do here? Just here. We're, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Just put this ark this Ark of the Covenant at somebody's house, let's go on. I mean, a, it just blew up on him. A few months later, somebody says, King, you know that guy's house we put the Ark of the Covenant in? He goes, yeah. Like he probably thought he'd die too. He goes, no, man, everything in his house is blessed. Just blessed. You know, you bring the presence of God in your home. If you'll carry the presence of God in your house, blessing will start coming in your house. Blessing will start coming in that place. So David said, well, that's all I want is the presence of God. So he says, we must have done something wrong. Watch it. So they do, they do something that always works. Let's read the Word and see how we're supposed to do this. He said, oh, the law says the priests are to carry the ark on their shoulders. We put it on a cart. We did it wrong. Why did they put it on a cart? Because when the Philistines had stolen the ark, and they sent it back to Israel, it came on a cart with oxen pulling it. And so what David made a mistake, he said, well, if we're going to watch this, we're going to help you, if we're going to get the presence of God back, then we're going to have to do it the way everyone else does it. We're going to have to imitate a worldly fashion a secular fashion if we're going to have the presence. If we're going to bring the presence of God into our home and our life and our church and we're going to have to imitate what's going on around us in this world system. And it didn't work. Are you with me? It didn't work. And can I tell you how you bring the presence of God into your home, into your church, into your school, into your life? It's not imitating everything that's going on around you in culture today. It's going back to the cross of Jesus Christ and saying, God, I want your presence. God, I need your presence. And the priests carry the presence on their shoulder. You carry Him with you. Priesthood carries the presence of God. We don't need an imitation. we don't have to do it another way. We don't have to apologize for the gospel. We don't have to back up on the cross. We understand. We carry the presence of God. Such an amazing thing. We're, we're custodians of His, of His presence. What does that mean? Look in Joshua 4:10, just over a few verses. Now we're carriers of His presence in this New Testament priesthood, were custodians. What does that mean? Verse 10 of Joshua 4. Now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people. Just as Moses had directed Joshua, the people hurried over. So what? what is the custodian? We think of the term custodian in our terminology, our nomenclature, in, in American culture, custodian is a person uh, who helps keep uh, the properties and facilities clean and in order. That's a custodian. That's, that's, a, that's an accurate description. Let me tell you what, what really goes with that and how it's shifted from the original meaning. When I say the priesthood, the custodian of his presence, it means one that guards, one that protects, one that maintains. We get the maintenance, but the guarding and the protecting... And so what happens? We, we, we begin to understand that, that we carry the presence of God. And that's the most valuable thing to us because when you're an alcoholic for 30 years, only the presence of God is going to set you free. And, and, and we celebrate the alcohol deliverance. What about the gossip deliverance? Well, I could hoop on that if you want me to, but I won't do it. If you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter. What about gossip? What about fear? What about depression? What about... What about anger? What about pride? What about prejudice? What about, uh, uh, you know, self-centeredness? What about rejection and heartache? These things that that, that people work with. See, what, what we begin to realize is that if I'm going to carry the presence of God, listen to me, guys, we take a responsibility, I'm going to also protect the presence of God. I'm going to begin to honor the presence of God. So there are certain things, come on, listen, that, that I'm not going to, let's see, if I'm protecting the Ark of the Covenant, those guys are carrying that Ark, the presence of God, they're going to protect it. If something's going to harm them, they're like, whoa, 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 stop. Huh? See, see, there are going to be certain times in my life where something starts to come and I say, whoa, 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 no. I'm going to protect the presence of God in my life. Anybody with me? That's not legalism. It's love for the presence of God. It's honor for the position that I've come in. Whoa, 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 let's protect God's presence. So it it might be a conversation. Are you with me? Might be a conversation that people want you to get into. And, and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's protect the presence of God. Have you ever had to back out of one? Or have you ever, don't raise your hand. Have you ever should have backed out of a conversation? Huh? Is there stuff going on and you realize I should have walked off from that? Did you ever, did did, did something ever flash up on your uh computer that you should have? So, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to protect the presence of God. Hey, look, did you ever get a phone call from somebody way back there that should have been off your list anyway? And you just look at it, come on, tell the truth. Their name came up. You know, Ray Ray, or Ray Ray's on there. You, you, you know when you got their nicknames in there, y'all take it off, don't you? And you, you look down at the thing is ringing, and you say, Sweet Thing. Mm-hmm. You're trying to serve the Lord, and you hadn't heard from her in a long time. Look, oh, It's Peaches. What is she calling? Me? I hadn't heard from her in five years. tell you. And and so what happens, you say, you know what you do? Do you know there's that, when that comes up, there's a red button on there that says decline. And you know, you can go to your contacts and get rid of some of them. Just thinking, you know. And so what happens, you say, you know, I need to protect the presence of God in my life. I'm going to protect it. I'm a custodian. I'm a carrier of the presence. Is anybody still with me? So they were, I I need to hurry. Watch it because this really gets, I, I have to get here. They were carriers of the presence of God. Do you realize what a blessing you are? What a blessing you are? You carry hope with you when you walk into marketplace tomorrow. You carry hope when you walk into school tomorrow. You carry hope when you walk into your home today. You carry the presence of Almighty God. You have faith, you, you, you know God, you can pray, you know how to call home, you know what his word is, you know who you are, you carry the presence of God. The, the, the cross made you acceptable. How many hear what I'm saying? You didn't earn this, God said you're a chosen people, he chose you. You're a royal priesthood. See, let me help you with this, see David, <clears throat> David, this, this this man that got it early on he you you have to understand see david was the first picture of this royal priesthood in the old testament there was royalty the king and there was the priest these were never the same people all right but david did this thing nobody else understood and it was a picture of you and me today this royal priesthood see but david got it because david was not of the right family to be royalty when the, when the prophet Samuel came to his house and poured the oil on his head and said, he's going to be the next king, everybody was shocked because the only way you could be a king that day or succeed the king that's on the throne, you had to be his son. You had to be his heir. You had to be the right family. But God stepped out of man's way of doing things and said, I don't need that cart with the oxen because I'm going to do it my way. And God reached over beyond man's direction and said, I know you're not from the right family, but you're going to be the king. And so David became the king despite all the odds. And then David not only became the king, but he wasn't satisfied. David said, I want the presence of God. David stayed around the temple and the altar and the presence of God more than the priest did. And so David realized, I was not born to royalty and I'm not a Levite in the priestly line. Listen to me. But when it comes to God in your heart, God is more impressed with your heart than your heritage. God will overlook your family and where you've been and who you are and what you don't have. And God will look at your heart and say, if I can get a man or a woman who will worship me, who will carry my presence, who will guard who I am, I'm going to lay my hand on your life and use you like you've never known. And I'll surprise you and the people around you. See, they were carriers and custodians, but they were also worshipers. The priests, and we're going to talk more about this next week, the priests were the worshipers. All the musicians and all the singers in David's day were priests. they, They weren't just people that randomly came in. They're worshipers. Listen to me, church family. You're a worshiper. You're a worshiper. Worship is not an activity dude It's not a ritual. It's our heart. It's who we are. When you carry the presence, protect the presence of God, you just a worshiper. It begins to be part of a priest are so powerful. Your worship begins to release the presence of God. See, your prayer connects you to the presence, and you carry that. Listen, and your worship begins to release the presence of God. There, there are going to be times, listen to me, church family, I, I want you to get this. We're going to really deal into this next week. We don't understand often how powerful worship really is. It, it, again, listen to me. St- worship, there's nothing in the priesthood that's a spectator sport. When we're doing praise and worship on Sunday morning, this platform's not giving you a concert. They're not called entertainers. They're called worship leaders. That means they lead us to worship God, and 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 if I'm just watching, I'm not worshiping. If you know, I have people say, "Man, I really love the way y'all worship." Yeah, in Alabama, you got to say y'all. You understand? I love the way y'all worship at Calvary. Well, what are you doing? (laughs) Y'all meaning I'm not one. You understand? I like the way y'all worship. What 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 do you do? Just come watch. This is not a concert. They're worship leaders. We're worshiping. And in fact, we we should be so full of worship. I I can't can't get ahead of myself. i got three weeks already stored up here. We we should be so full of worship like we don't even need them to do anything. The real proof of worship, listen to me, is what happens between the songs. I'm going to say that again. The real proof of worship is what you and I do when they're not singing. When, it, when, it get, when they're not singing up here, we ought to be so in worship with God that they're trying to decide, should we go to the next song or wait a while? It, worship doesn't go like this. Worship's not a roller coaster. Sing, 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 song is over, music stops playing, and all of us stop. Song starts, we does done and stop. Listen, I don't need somebody to play a keyboard for me to worship. I don't have to have somebody beat that drum for me to worship. I don't need you to put words up there for me to worship. I have a testimony written on my heart that once I was lost and now I'm found. I'm not worshiping their God. I'm worshiping my God. I don't need you to fire me up, crank me up. Push me up, hit my notes, sing my song, hit my right key. I'll worship in here if we don't have air conditioning. I'll worship if we don't have heat. I'll worship if I don't like the song. I'll worship with Bill Gaither. I'll worship with Trey Tribbett. I'll worship with anybody that wants to worship. And if you don't want to worship, I'll worship anyway. Because you didn't die on the cross. He died on the cross for me. I'm going to worship. That's what I'm going to do. And you can't stop me. The easiest job in the church ought to be worship leader. You just ought to be controlling traffic. You're just controlling traffic. you just going everywhere. You're just trying to keep us off going in the same way. We're worshipers. We're the priesthood. He doesn't... Listen, he, he didn't call because it's the presence of God. The people that led in worship in the old covenant priesthood, it wasn't just anybody They were priests. They were men and women who knew the altar and the presence of God. There were people who recognized His presence, who lived to enter His presence. Do you know that in the Levitical order, uh, that that often uh, they, they never came in actually inside the temple, but once or twice in their life. They cast lots. They went through a process. And to come into that place, oh, God, can you imagine lived their whole life serving, taking care of the, you know, of the menial tasks, the things we call custodian just taking care of the stuff so that it might be their rotation. Oh, I, I get to come worship now. But See, when God's people do that, let, let me show you how powerful you are. Turn to Numbers 16 and verse 47. And I'm just going to have to kind of find a place here. Numbers, numbers please turn there chapter 16. This is is why we need you. This is why you're so important. This is what has to happen along the way. Number 16. This is why the church needs to understand the priesthood that we're in. This is why we need to understand that we carry the presence, that that we are custodians of the presence, that we are worshipers of the presence of God because this worship and this prayer, this presence that we bring changes everything. Changes everything. See uh, in, in number sixteen, let me just there because of what Israel had done, their disobedience and their rebellion, a plague had broken out among the people. and the Bible says, as you read the rest of this chapter, I'm going to, I'll just read some verses, that already over fourteen, thousand six hundred people had died, they were just falling dead. they were dying, curse had broken out. you know I, I, I think in our nation today. To be quite honest, the curse of sin is on this nation. People are saying, is God judging? Listen to me. God doesn't have to judge America right now. America's cursed itself. The Bible says what you sow, you reap. You understand that? I'm not saying God hasn't judged or God won't judge because judgment will come. But I'm saying right now, a lot of things we're blaming the judgment of God. It's just this nation reaping what they've sown. And that's what Israel was doing. They, they, this, this plague had, had burst out on them. So, what happens? Look at look verse number 47 and number 16. So, so, Aaron, who was what? Aaron was the priest. So, Aaron did as Moses said. Look at this and ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. Incense. He went into the presence of God. The incense represents praise and worship to God and prayer. And the priest, when the nation was dying... Goes to the presence of God and runs and stands between those that are dying and those that are still alive and the plague stopped at the presence of God you and I are stained between life and death in this nation today in your family your prodigal sons and daughters what's happening in this world but you are anointed as a carrier of the presence of God to literally run between the living and the dead and carry the presence of God and stop the plague in its very tracks it's who you are that's who the church is That's how powerful the presence of God is. So, Pastor, I'm just a no-no. You're not just in anything. You're in the priesthood. You're a chosen people. You're a royal nation that we might declare the praises of God. Once we were lost and now we're found. Once we were in darkness and now we're in light. Why? That's the power of the presence of God. We stop judgment. We stop judgment. Abraham is looking down on the city of Lot with God. God says, Abraham, I'm going to have to destroy it." You know, the outcries come up before me. He said, God, would you destroy it? There are 50 people there that are righteous. He said, no, for the sake of the righteous, no. Genesis 19, you can read it. Moses, I'm going to tell you, that dude was bold. He's making less play a deal with God. I don't know about you, but if God said 50, I'm like, peace out. Thank you, and we're good with this. I mean you understand Moses said okay Could I be so bold What if there's 45 Okay 45 Now that I got you What about 40 I mean come on You, you, you got to have a relationship <laughs> You understand what I'm saying He says, so what about 35 God says 35 don't, 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 don't be mad God what if we get down to 30 He gets to 10 He bargains God down from 50 to 10 there's, I mean come on God says alright If that There weren't even 10 people. He told Lot, his nephew said, you better get you and your family out of this place. But I want you to understand, God honors the righteous. God has his eyes on the godly. God knows where his presence is. God knows where the priesthood has run between life and death and made a difference. God knows who you are. And then, look at this, and I want to end with this. You not only carry, but see, this doesn't happen unless we're carrying the presence of God. This only happens when we begin to understand what God does with our life. We're in Numbers. Go to chapter 6 and verse 23. See, see, we, we, we not only stop the judgment, we release the blessing. We release the blessing. There are people that need to be blessed. There are people that are dying for blessing. What does he say? Look at this, Numbers 6. And verse number 22, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Moses was the mighty prophet of God. Are you with me? He didn't tell Moses to do it. He said, Moses, you tell Aaron. Why? Because Aaron is the priest. Because the church is the priesthood. We're the New Testament priesthood. We're the royal priesthood. And you understand the prophetic and the priesthood have to work together if blessing is going to come. Moses, tell Aaron huh, and his sons, this is how you are to what? Bless the Israelites. What is a blessing? It is the spoken word that God uses through his delegated authority to release the supernatural impartation of the power of God. You, as a royal priesthood, standing under the authority of Jesus, listen to me, as you speak, you release the supernatural power of God with your words. Let me tell you the other side of that. James says, out of the same spring, cursing and blessing can't come. Okay, now listen. How many want the anointing and the authority to release a blessing? All right. All right. But if you speak a cursing out of your mouth, what are you doing? I'm going to tell you. We better understand. As a parent, you better never look at your child and say, you are no good. You aren't worth anything. I wish you had never been here. You're never going to amount to anything. You don't need to look at yourself when you look in the mirror and say, you're no good. You're nothing but a failure. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to make it. You better quit talking about your marriage and say, this marriage isn't going to work. I should have never met you in the first place. This isn't going to be right. This is never going to work. Are you listening to me today? Because we, we understand you, you can't ride this horse on one side. You, you need to understand that if blessing is going to come out of your mouth or release a supernatural impartation of the power of God, then the cursing that comes out of your mouth will break the blessing of God that came out of your mouth. So if I want to have the, uh, so, so what am I doing? I, I'm custodying, I'm protecting, and guarding the presence of God, right? So what do you have the authority to do with this priesthood? Say this. Look, the, it says. The, in fact, uh, can, can you get it up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, I want you to read it with me. This is in your Bible, Numbers, you get, see twenty six or Numbers six, verse twenty three. We're going to go through verse 26. Go to, okay, 23. We're good here. We're good there. Okay, let's say it. Say it with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I will bless them. You carry the presence of God. The blessing of God, the authority to stand between the living and the dead. You're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a chosen people. Stand with me. Let's don't leave. Let's stand together. Musicians, come please. Royal priesthood. Man, what a title! What a title! royal priesthood. That's who you are. Church family I want you to look at me closely the priesthood functions around the altar it was the center it was the epicenter it was the what everything gravitated around. For you and I, listen to me, it's the cross of Jesus Christ it's the cross today I want to challenge you today I want to encourage you today I want you to begin to understand who you are in this priesthood but it's all about the altar. We've been altered. We've encountered God. We thought our life had little value. We thought that it was too late. We thought we made too big a mistake. We thought that it, it, it can't turn out. That This this priesthood carries the presence. It has the power to stop a curse. Your blessing has the power to stop a curse. Do you hear me? The Bible says when God is blessed, the enemy can't curse. Come on. Right now, I want you to Do some things with me that are important. Uh, You know, let's, here's what I want to do. This whole building right now is an altar. Right now we're at the altar. You with me? We're at the altar right now. We're not just at a building. We're not just staying. We're at the altar right now. I declare holy ground inside this room right now. Holy ground in the name of Jesus. Holy ground, holy ground, holy ground. In the name of Jesus, we carry His presence. He's here. In your home, I declare holy ground. Where you are, declare holy ground. Right where you are, holy ground. Some of you are where you can't talk. You're listening on your earbud. I see you right now. I declare, you don't have to say it. I say it. You agree with me right now. Holy ground, right where you are. Right where you are. Right where you are. Your car is holy ground right now. Man, there's so many things... I see <laughs> there's a lady who's been sitting there. You've been sitting on your couch crying this morning. I, I just, I, you've been sitting there crying. God's going to turn your weeping into rejoicing. In Jesus' name. Right here, all of us right now. All of us right now. Holy ground. Holy ground. I, I want you to. What have you cursed? I don't mean four letter words. You understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about foolishness, voodoo, witchcraft, that foolishness. I'm talking about, as representatives of the Lord, what's come out of our mouth that has to change? Listen to your pastor. I have to deal with this in my life. I think you probably have to deal with it in your life. Are there some things right now that need to be broken? Let's ask God to forgive us.